Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. And today we are talking about being John Malkovich. Starring John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, John Malkovich, Orson Bean, Mary Kay Place, and Charlie Sheen. Directed by Spike Jones, and importantly for us, uh, written by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, so I am Ryan, one of your hosts. I'm Brendan, one of your hosts. And I'm Logan, and that's all. And that's that's all, just Logan. Um, and we are back today for the start of a new series for us. We are going to be uh, doing the first three movies of what we're calling the essential, uh, the essential Charlie Kaufman. Uh, this kind of first wave is just the. Uh, the, the big movies that he's written, minus Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which we know is a big movie, but we're not going to take the week for it, or at least right now. Um, but then after some time, we're going to come back to this series, and we're going to review all of the films that he's directed so far, which is three films. So, uh, yeah, six film series here um, that we're going to be doing, broken up by Citizen Kane, Mank, and a couple uh, picks. So, uh, but yeah, we're starting off here with Bean John Malkovich, the movie that really brought uh, Charlie Kaufman onto the scene. Back in 1999. Uh, so, guys, real quick, uh, backgrounds on John being John Malkovich and also uh, Charlie Kaufman. Um, for me, I, I think the answer is pretty much none. You know, like, I, I think maybe I had, like, known some of these tropes, but I had never seen being John Malkovich. I knew the name of the movie and was very confused as to why it was in relation to a real guy that existed. I've seen John Malkovich in, in True West and some other, you know, films. That, uh, that Jewel Thief movie. Uh, that Jewel Thief movie that. that doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, if I, the weird thing is, if I have experience with Charlie Kaufman as well, uh, I, it's totally escaping me right now. Um, but maybe I'll think about it in the future. Uh, but that's, that's kind of it for me. Yeah, I had never seen this movie. Um, the other Kaufman films I've seen are Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which... Someday, like, it was like two or three months ago, I think, I just texted Floyd and I was like, yo, I have a free day, I just want to watch, like, a really good movie, can you recommend something to me? And he recommended Eternal Sunshine, and I watched that and I really liked it. Uh, I watched, I'm thinking of Ending Things when that came out on Netflix. Um, Which is kind of what we're building to, but that's going to be in, like, January, but yeah. we're getting there. It'll, it's sort of a new release, but it'll be a little bit removed from that, but, uh, yeah. yeah, so I watched that right when it came out, I loved that, so... Yeah, I'm I'm really into Kaufman. Um, haven't really, you know. So those are the only two that I've seen. And again, now, I guess being John Malkovich because I did watch it for this podcast. I didn't pull a Brendan. Yes. Um, so I'm yeah, no. But I, I I don't have a ton of experience with him. But uh, yeah, I've really liked what I've seen so far. Yeah, uh, I would consider myself a Kaufman fan at this point. I have only seen three of his movies, which is another reason that I'm glad that we're doing this series. Uh, I love Eternal Sunshine. Uh, you, This is an audio medium, but if you were on the Zoom call with us, you'd be able to see my Eternal Sunshine poster right. directly behind me. Um, but yeah, I love Eternal Sunshine. Uh, we'll get into my thoughts on this movie, and I, um, I guess I'll reserve my thoughts on I'm Thinking of Ending Things. But I'm very excited to watch Adaptation. I have seen half of that movie. I had never finished it. I watched part of it in high school. And I haven't seen Synecdoche, New York, or Animalisa, um, which I heard are both very good movies. Um, so, yeah, I uh, guess we'll go into being John Malkovich um, right now. All right, yes, I have a plot summary uh, written by Huggo via IMDb. So, thank mm, you, Huggo, for this. Thanks, Huggo. 
puppeteer Craig Schwartz and animal lover and pet store clerk Lottie Schwartz are just going through the motions of their marriage. Despite not being able to earn a living solely through puppeteering, uh, Craig loves his profession and it allows him uh, to inhabit the skin of others. He begins to take the ability to inhabit the skin of others to the next level when he is forced to take a job as a file clerk uh, for the off-kilter Lester Corp, located on the five-foot-tall, seventh-and-a-half floor of a Manhattan office building. Uh, behind one of the filing cabinets in his work area, Craig finds a hidden door, which he learns is a portal into the mind of John Malkovich. The visit through the portal, uh, which last... The visit through the... This is written not very well. Sorry, Hugo. The visit through the portal, which lasts 15 minutes, after which the person is spit into a ditch next to the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, Craig is fascinated by the meaning of life associated with this finding. Lottie's trips through the portal make her evaluate her own self, and the confident Maxine Lund, one of, Gre one of Craig's co-workers, uh, who he tells about the portal if only because he is attracted to her, thinks that it is a money-making opportunity in selling trips into Malkovich's mind after office hours for $200 a visit. Craig, Lottie, and Maxine begin to understand that anyone entering the portal uh, has the ability to control Malkovich's mind, which also uh, alters his entire being. This experience makes Maxine fall in love with the composite. Uh, this ability to control Malkovich's mind begs the question of the ultimate psychedelic trip for Malkovich himself, who begins to feel that something is not right in the world as he knows it. Something's wrong in the Malkovich. So, uh, guys, yeah, uh, very, very weird and interesting film. Interesting concept. Um, uh, so, initial thoughts on... I mean, Spike Jones is uh, being John Malkovich, but I feel like it's it's Charlie Kaufman's being For our John purposes, Malkovich. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. When I it's, it's interesting. When I first started this movie, uh, like, started watching it, I did not think that I was going to enjoy it at all. I was like, this is weird. It's trying to be whimsical. And I, but like also dark and creepy and gritty, and it is all of those things. Uh, but as soon as once it finally gets into the actual John Malkovich section of it, I, I think this film really comes alive um, and really starts introducing these super interesting, like surrealist ideals. Um, you know, just this like, you know, when they start talking about like what is the concept of the self uh, and like. Some of these like sci-fi aspects, which I I do think were a little shoehorned in there, I kind of would have liked if there wasn't like really a story behind it. But I guess it had to work for the resolution of the movie, um, which we'll talk about later. But I thought, you know, this was like <laughs> for it being the day after Halloween, uh, and for my brain to have only been filled with like spooky movies and shit like that. Um, this was a really interesting film uh, to address. And I, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting, and I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it. Yeah, I, I liked this film a lot. Um, I mean, regardless of, of whether you think it's good or bad, uh, all of Kaufman's movies are thinkers, and this is this is no exception. For they're all weird. They're all weird. For the three that I've seen, he's he's three for three on making just real thinkers. I think this one's gonna stick with me. Um, yeah, it it. I agree that it, it sort of um, it it takes a little bit to get going, maybe. Um, but yeah, this is a it's a really interesting idea, and and I think it is trying to be all of those things. You know, it is trying to be very uh, whimsical, and it's also trying to be you know dark and gritty. I think it somehow achieves that balance really well. Um, there's a uh, there's a subplot later that I'm not super into. Um, that kind of I don't know. It's just this is not really 
I just don't really think it's as interesting uh, as most of what's going on. But yeah, it definitely it it poses some pretty interesting questions, and I think one of the best things that I have to say about it, and I'll be interested to discuss this specifically, is that it didn't feel like I was watching a movie from 1999. Uh, This very much seems like it could have been written in 2020 or even like 2025, um, just because it seems very seems very prescient, seems very aware in a lot of ways. But yeah, overall, uh, very positive initial reaction. Yeah, what what you said there about Kaufman's films fe- feeling timeless, I think that's going to continue to be the case. Uh, like no matter no matter when these movies take place, I think the ideas that Kaufman gets at throughout his film filmography is just are more universal and not really specifically tied uh, to the time period. I think that's that's a great observation, Logan. But yeah, I also I love this movie. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Uh, I watched it for the first time a couple months ago. Um, before watching I'm Thinking of Ending Things because it was on Netflix and it was a film that I've been meaning to get to. Uh, I've been wanting to watch, obviously, Kaufman's work because I love Eternal Sunshine so much. But, yeah, I thought this... I think this movie's uh, fantastic. I love it. It's uh, anchored by some incredible performances. Um, As you said about the subplots, it does get a little tied down in it, and I think the problem with... Um, the story ultimately comes back to the fact that this was two different script ideas that uh, Kaufman had that he meshed mm-hmm. together. Um, one about a puppeteer, you know, um, or maybe not even about a puppeteer, just about, you know, um, an affair in a, in, a, in a relationship. And then another one about someone going into the portal um, to be John Malkovich. So Let's make that the same thing. So he, he pulled it together in a way that only Charlie Kaufman can. So, uh, yeah, he. I mean, again, Kaufman's such a weird, singular person. No one writes like him. He, I, I think it's interesting that we just talked about a Sorkin movie uh, to then go to Kaufman because I think they are two of the most um, recognizable writers that we have distinctive, today. Yeah. Um, distinctive, like you know that you're watching uh, an Aaron Sorkin or a Charlie Kaufman. Interesting, both both of them have moved into directing recently. Um, as Aaron Sorkin just had a movie that he directed come out last month on Netflix as well. Um, which I still haven't gotten a chance to see. I'm excited to watch Pretty the good. trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, you watched it? I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to watch it. It's, it's on one my of, list. Yeah. It's it's one of the next new release movies I'll watch. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoy this movie, and I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about the different ideas that this movie gets into. Um, so yeah, the start of the film. I think I think it's you know it's it's good to start at the beginning, as I say every it's episode. A very good now. place to start. Um, uh, so we get introduced to John Cusack, who is playing against type, I would say, especially for 1999. You know, John Cusack, big movie star, good-looking guy, uh, got everything going for him, except not in this movie. Not in this one. Uh, not in this, not in this movie. movie. It's, it's a strange role beard. for Cusack. Yeah. Um, oh, he's just gross. And strange role for Cusack of playing. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of just gross. Like you can almost smell the sweat in the bo coming off him. Puppeteer. Literally. Um, who's a pretty good puppeteer. I don't know anything about puppeteering, but everything looks good. Um, Look, he's movie. not doing the um, Muppets, so I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brendan only cares about the Muppets. I only uh, care about the Muppets. Nothing else. Nothing else in the world matters but the Muppets. Exactly. The very um, beginning of this movie, when we hear the sound of the tuning orchestra, it's mm-hmm. just, it instantly pulled me in. You can play yeah. that, that sound at any time, and it'll just... I'm I'm I'll immediately fall in love with your movie. Logan because, comes to attention. He's like, huh? What? I'm like, oh, oh, this is gonna be important because like it's just this it's just this sound that like just those open fourths like that sound has preceded a lot of the most uh, impactful moments of my life. Like sitting at like these orchestra concerts and you know, um, 
just like or, or, or a musical or something and and hearing this and you know what's about to come and so i i like this very theatrical uh opening for you know a, a guy who wants to he, he is very I, I don't know he he's not very outwardly theatrical in terms of his personality but but what he's trying to do is is really fantastical and kind of revolutionary i i got the sense he's trying to be like a revolutionary within the world of puppeteering so yeah it, it was very exciting to hear that sound right at the beginning just got me right into yeah. it yeah i agree with yeah, you. it's it very cool i i'm curious for you two um because i don't even really quite remember how much did you like craig at the beginning of this movie because watching the Not movie again yeah like watching the movie again i i mean obviously like as the film goes on he just becomes a despicable person um, did, did he, was he endearing to you at first? Like the, the, there was never any charm or, uh, I don't know, feeling bad for him in any way. I mean, it was just kind of like, God, you're such a fucking beta male. <laughs> like get your shit together, bro. <laughs> like I, it was just very obvious that this is like, even for 1999 where I, I don't know how like rooted that stereotype in where it's like fucking old smelly like long hair neck beard glasses have an ass with a weird hobby but like <laughs> I don't know it's it like it's it's very prevalent in today like if you want to make fun of like a guy for just being like gross like that is for being John Malkovich sorry no John Malkovich is a very nice man how dare you say I know that I, about him I know, I'm sorry. Um, but, like, if, if you want to, like, truly embody, like, the neckbeard, like, incel stereotype, like, that picture of John Cusack is, like, a perfect representation of, like... And who would have thought John Cusack? As, like, the, the poster child for incel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean, at the beginning, like, we don't really know that he's... He kind of turns out to be really awful, um... So I really just kind of felt bad for him at first. Um, I, yeah, it's just he's just kind of like a sad character. Um, we we learned pretty early on though that he's a pervert. Um, that the the street performance just all of a sudden just making them uh, have sex yeah. very weirdly in front of a kid too. A and child. oh my god, I think that was the moment. Like if there was any sort of like oh this guy's just kind of you know he's down as lucky, sad, whatever. As soon as he does that and gets punched in the face, you're like yeah, I wish I was that guy. Punching yeah, I him mean, in the face. You mean yes, punching him yeah, in the face. Yeah. I should say yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know that that was entirely his fault. Like he sort of had the routine. He was very wrapped up in it. He didn't know that there was a kid. Right there, maybe he did. He, I feel he should like have been more aware. At least been aware of his surroundings. But like it, it's the kind of thing where like, is he gonna sacrifice his art for you know, um, the uh, appeal yes. appeal to general audiences? And and the answer is probably yeah. If there's a kid standing that's, right there, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing because it's like if it, like if you are an actor in like a show on fucking Broadway and there's a sex scene, are you and you see a kid in the audience, like some parent has mistakenly brought like a small child to this, are you gonna stop the whole Awakening. show? Yeah, exactly. You're you're fucking you're playing Melchior in Spring Awakening and you see like a five year old in the audience because she wanted to meet Kristoff from Frozen. Uh, as Jonathan Groff, are you going to stop the performance and be like, nah, nah, we can't do this. I can't get my butt out for this five-year-old. Like, no, you can't, because all the other people in the fucking house paid, like, $300 to see this shit. Yeah, but, like, if you're a street performer... Performing yeah. to an audience of one, Performing to which an is audience a of one, which is a small child, then, yes, you should stop. 
Uh, but, yeah. But, well, so right off the bat, we're, we're establishing that he thinks, I mean, he, what he's, his perception of what he's doing is a Broadway level show that he's like, he's I can't stop. Like I have to do this, this art when really he's like, he's just so much less than that. And, and I think and that's he's just traumatizing a child. And I think that that's where the real tension comes from. Like he, he thinks that he's doing something a lot more. He, he thinks that he's a lot uh, more self-important than he actually mm-hmm. is. And I think that that's kind of where that comes from, if that makes sense. So I think it's an important moment for characterization. Um, certainly. Yeah, I agree for sure. And I just wanted to point out, like, we were talking about him playing off type. I think Cusack is very good in this movie. Um, he's not in it. I I think the interesting thing about this movie is, like, for all of the actors are in this movie. Like, okay, well, let's say for Diaz and Cusack, they're not in the movie as much as you think they are because they're always through Malkovich. Because they're in John Malkovich's mm-hmm. body. Yeah, so, so, like, Cusack probably isn't the person with the most screen time. I would guess it's Malkovich. Um, but when he is on screen, he is very good and he plays this type very well. And not, not, again, not a type that I anticipated for Cusack, but he's, he's very good at it. He's very timid. Um, and, and he brings that energy that this character needs that, that, uh, yeah, uh, almost patheticness, if that's a word. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, we get introduced to Cameron Diaz, who again, chameleon, uh, the first time I watched yeah. this movie, I knew that Cameron Diaz was in it, and it took me, like, 15 minutes to realize it was Cameron Diaz. Yeah, she's oh, unrecognizable. That's Cameron Diaz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it, this, I, I like this beginning sequence. I was really torn for a lot of, for a lot, for the first, like, 20 or 25 minutes. I was so torn because I love chimps. Like, mm. I just, I just love chimps. Like, if I could have a chimp for a pet, I would, and we would just be best buds like that would be just amazing for me you ever seen planet of the apes <laughs> no but it would be a nice chimp is the thing in uh, my perfect not world, caesar it's a nice one um so i love chimps and i loved watching uh this chimp but i hate puppets they creep me out especially this style of puppet and like i was like the realistic looking puppet yeah, I like was like, wood, oh, that's so puppet. gross. Yeah. Oh, but there's a monkey. I like him. Ugh, this is gross again. <laughs> it's very, very back and forth for me. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. It's it's um, it's not something that I enjoy personally. Uh, but I I mean I respect it as an art form, but uh, not when John Cusack in this movie is doing it because he's just weird about it. He's really but weird. um, but yeah, no it. And again, yeah, Cameron Diaz, um, I think it also is very good here. Probably one of the best I've ever seen her been. It, yeah, again, falls into this role very naturally, just playing basically kind of a nicer um, version of John Cusack's character. Kind of equally pathetic, doesn't really have anything uh, going on in her life, doesn't really aspire to anything. Uh, the animals, yeah. Yeah, and and again, it's interesting to see right away that they have such a loveless marriage, obviously. Um kind of sets them both up to to become desperate enough to want to do this all the time once they are given the opportunity to. Yeah, it's just sort of... I mean, there's, there's like, an interesting moment later where um, uh, Craig is, like... It, this is, like, way towards the end of the movie, but uh, Craig is like, well, I didn't... Um, I, I didn't sleep with uh, uh, Maxine because out of respect for our marriage. And Lottie's just like, no, you, you didn't sleep with Maxine because, like, she didn't want anything to do with you. Like, yeah. you're not, like, some saint for not doing it. You're just, like, 
kind of pathetic and, and you couldn't do it any, even if you wanted to. yeah exactly you do it if you tried yeah, yeah and, and he did try a lot a, a lot in, very hard <laughs> he tried he tried too hard it's sad to watch but like yeah yeah and so i think that i think that's what their relationship sort of boils down to like could any of them find something better probably not he's like this weird middle-aged puppeteer with a ponytail and she's she takes care of animals for a living and is like yeah She's like a, she's like a, the crazy cat lady, in like the stereotypical crazy cat lady. Except she's like crazy every kind of animal. She has an iguana. Yeah. She has a chimp. She's just got everything. She's got it all. It's a zoo. Um, no, yeah, I think. I mean, we do learn. But I mean, we see by the end of the movie that she does start a new life with Maxine. We don't really know the nature of the relationship yeah. um, too much, but yeah, it's it's and it's a, it's an interesting character. I think we'll get into all the details of Lottie as we go forward. Um, but before we get to Malkovich, obviously, we still have Maxine to talk about, who is uh, kind of um, the most uh, pivotal character, the, the driving character of this story. She is always the one changing things because of her personality, played by Catherine Keener, um, who is fantastic in this movie as well. Um, I, not the worst character in this movie. That's probably Craig, but um, also a terrible person. Uh, Maxine is very manipulative um very opportunistic and um kind of a despicable human being in some ways but uh uh Catherine Keener is fantastic so what what did you guys think of of Maxine it takes and, uh, it takes like a minute of screen time for her to, to, to for her to be like oh there's like this portal into someone's mind literally like the greatest like philosophical and and psychological um discovery probably like ever and then Let's she's like to make money we can do like, two, like money, like two hundred bucks a, a trip for this. This is pretty great. Um, but Which, I, like, if if people were going hand over fist for that that two, that guy was like two hundred bucks, and was like, yeah, take it, dude. My price would have gone through the roof. I'd be like, okay, four hundred. Yeah, exactly. If if you have that many people lining up to get it for two hundred, that means that you need yeah. to bump your price up. This is just economics, yeah. Maxine. Yeah, come on, <laughs> um, come on. But Maxine, no, I I think it. her acting was impeccable. I I think it it was just like so infectious. She's just like this enigmatic. Uh, confident character and she's just like she's a terrible person but she's a lot of fun to watch oh yeah no she's entertaining yeah for sure i wouldn't want to be around her but like oh, no. <laughs> but like yeah she's an she's an interesting person to watch uh, brennan what were your thoughts on keener it's and Maxine? so interesting because her character is such a like trip because she goes from immediately just like insulting this guy um like at a bar and then like i like, obviously using his wife, uh, like, to, to, you know, spend more time with, like, in Malkovich, but then, like, they do fall in love, and it's, it's just a very strange arc, um, and, like, I honestly wanted to see more of her as a mom. (laughs) I think Uh, her arc makes the least sense of any of the characters. It definitely makes the least amount of sense. It's like watching, like, an it reminded me of, like, an arc in, like, an early Tim Burton movie, like, where it doesn't really make that much sense, and where it's just, like, you can tell that a dude wrote this, but, like... Like, when did the character turn happen? Like, we didn't see that. Yeah, it's, like, and, like, you know, I mean, you know, are you just writing, like, is this a real, like, like, homosexual relationship, or are you just writing it because you wanted to see lesbians in the movie? Uh, I think it's an interesting... Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting uh, topic. I don't think that... I don't know. It depends on the way that you look at the film because the film is very open-ended. It doesn't give you many 
straight answers, and I think that's a I think that's a plus for the film, especially at the time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, straight answers. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. get yeah. it. Didn't mean to do that, but sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh threw me off what was i gonna say no i i, I, I think that um, there is a meaningful discussion to be had about yeah. uh about this lesbian relationship and and also about um lottie being transgender maybe mm-hmm. uh it's sort of hinted at that maybe you know we kind of got the sense maybe she's just kind of confused because at the end they do seem to be you know pretty happy lesbians they're they're fine with that um i i would say i don't or are they just in a loving you know platonic relationship uh, it's not true. defined yeah. yeah we don't know right we don't um, know what the nature of the relationship is. Again, that, I think that uh, is fine for the movie. I don't think it needs to be explicitly set out like they are lovers or just no. I agree. But but my point if is if it was that, made in twenty twenty, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. But, but my point yeah. is that in in the ending scene, she she does seem to still be female presenting. Is what. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. I mean I think that becoming John Malkovich sort of being John Malkovich. Uh, sort of, it, I mean, that stands outside of, you know, being transgender or anything like that. Sure. And so she sort of gets confused in that moment. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that, you know, if that is uh, read as a, a lesbian relationship in the end, I I think it felt pretty natural. It didn't feel like very oh, male gazy at all, again, because you could just read it as like being platonic and they're just sort of like raising their, sort of their child together, mm-hmm. sort of Maxine's and John Malkovich's, but sort of. Maxine's and Lottie's, so... Yeah, I yeah, mean... I would say that this movie doesn't feel very male gazy at all no, to me. No, not at all. No. Uh, yeah, um, I don't I think, think so. I think... Like, even the sex scenes, they're pretty... Mm-mm. I mean, they they basically Discreet. show the same amount, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's never... It's always for a purpose in the plot. Yeah. There is always a reason that we are seeing this. Because, I mean, like, if you think about it, like, Maxine and Malkovich, for, or, like, you know, whatever you want to describe that, that person as... Uh, have sex all the time it seems like and we we don't see it unless there is something specifically happening in the scene yeah, i think true. kaufman kaufman in a lot of ways is a very uh, quiet and passive person the way that um a lot of his characters are and um i don't i don't know kaufman just doesn't strike me as someone a very judgy um and b um very lewd in that way I don't know. I feel like all of the, all of the films that i've seen of his don't really feel that way and again yeah that relationship it doesn't feel, um, everyone in this movie doesn't feel judged, I don't think, by this, by Kaufman. I think Kaufman is just presenting situations, um, in terms of, like, putting these weird people in weird situations. I mean, okay, I, I think the relationships aren't being judged. Um, I mean, obviously it's meant to, Craig and Maxine aren't supposed to be good characters, at least Maxine for the first two-thirds of the film. Um, but I think it's very, um, I think Kaufman has probably an affinity for, um, Lottie as a character because she is I think the the best character in this movie in terms of as a person she is definitely the best person I mean obviously she doesn't do she does some not so great things by trying to kill Maxine at one point um, <laughs> but yeah I think it's I think it's always very gentle with the um, the ideas that it presents in terms of trans or bisexual relationships or um, lesbian relationships whatever whatever it, it is at the specific time with her character um, and I think a lot of that comes from like the philosophical idea of like she has always lived inside of a woman's body and then just the weird whiplash it would be to like literally go into someone else's body like to literally just transport into someone else's body and I think Kaufman does a good job of like showing like what we think would probably be that kind of experience like the way that would fuck with you mentally just to like physically be in someone else's body 
as a co-pilot. I also, I, I think I've seen some people complaining that, um, you know, her, her talking about her actualization as a man in that scene is kind of played for a joke. I didn't really read it that way. I think he's not... I didn't either. He's not really yeah, making fun of it. It's just kind of... I mean, yeah, if it, it was a joke, it doesn't really land as one. You right. know, like the line doesn't really read as a joke. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I think there's a lot of... I don't know. I you you had posited in the group chat when you first started watching like is this movie going to be transphobic once you know it got to that point and i said i don't really think so i think a lot of that also comes from i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything the ideas and i'm thinking of ending things if you know what i'm saying logan i i i, I don't i think i don't think kaufman is uh transphobic um and um this was you know obviously like 20 it's 20 years ago to yeah and i think i think for the time this is pretty progressive i mean it, even like the, the terminology he uses is, is somewhat outdated, but I think gender reassignment surgery is, there's a lot worse things that he, they could have called it, um, at the time, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah. It, it's, but that's it's also coming from a, a cis male, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean. Three cis males it's, here. Yeah. It's not really like a, um, it's not really like a great, uh, you know, use of the idea of being transgender in in film but I, I i assume 20 years ago that this was like as close as you could get to being progressive um just given the fact that for the most part the transgender community was probably just used as the butt of a brunt of like a variety of jokes you know I mean, even yeah, or well, worse than jokes. Oh, worse yeah. than jokes. I mean, like even well into the two thousands, and like still today, of course, like you still get jokes where it's just like, ha, I get it, because they're trans. Like, yeah. it's not the entire <laughs> point of Jack and Jill. Yep. Oh God, don't ugh, <laughs> fucking movie. Not actually. God, that's just it. drag. But um, I I did want to talk about um, yeah, Brent. Like we just mentioned for, for our audience. We just mentioned our group chat. Brendan said something about it being transphobic. You also mentioned it being homophobic. Uh, and I wanted to touch on that because they do use the F slur a couple times and it's a little uncomfortable. Um, it's also like a tad ableist at parts. They kind of, they use the R slur sometimes. So I, I don't know how you guys felt about that. It was never like, I don't know. I, I felt like there were some times when it was being very self-aware, um, but like, it, it, do you know the scene where um, John Malkovich is at dinner, and the guy comes up and yeah. he's he's like using the R word mm-hmm. a bunch, and he's it, it just using that over and over again. It wasn't it like that's not Kaufman making making a statement trying to put um, you know like mentally disabled people down. Like uh, that's not mm-hmm. the point of it. But it's just supposed to be funny that he's saying the word that much. And I think sure. just from twenty twenty, it's just not funny. I don't know. It's kind of some complicated stuff here but, yeah, yeah. I, I think when maxine you know was saying the f slur so much um that like it immediately just in the context of like 2020 made me immediately hate her character like me too and there, I, I don't know if that's the intent but that's definitely what i got from yeah. it. i was just like oh she's a shitty person i'm curious in like 1999 if that like if that was just to be like oh haha get it she thinks that he's gay um, or if it was legitimately to be like, no, this is a shitty person. Because, like, if someone said that to me th- today, like, or, like, if I heard someone saying that to someone today, I would get, like, I would get so fucking angry. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I'd probably punch them in the face. Um, 
It would be great. Great success. The Talk podcast does not condone violence. Brendan condones violence against people that use horrible slurs. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that was like the same, if that was meant to have the same effect that it does now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be sure. interested to, you know, talk to maybe someone that saw the movie in 1999, I don't know, uh, to see what they think yeah. about that. I think this comes back to like a, a larger idea with, you know, film and art is that there can be things in, there can be characters or words in um, any form of art that can be racist, misogynist, you know, homophobic, uh, transphobic, all of these things that doesn't necessarily make the material itself any of those things, I don't think. Um, I think it depends on, uh, obviously, Birth of a Nation, super racist movie. Like, it, it, it matters what the intent of the writer is. Mm-hmm. And I think when um, when Maxine uses the Essler in in that scene, I think it's more more of a uh, indictment on uh, fragile masculinity than anything else um, in that scene because Craig immediately gets so defensive about it, you know? Um, and, and I think that's that's the point of that. I do agree that they are, I don't know, it doesn't feel, again, like you said, Logan, it's, it doesn't feel like he's, like, making fun of um, people in that scene. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, he's, I right, he, like, he's not making fun of that marginalized group, but he's making fun mm-hmm. of, like, the use of the word, which now just isn't that funny. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I do think, uh, me, at the time, that was still, I think, a culturally accepted term, Yeah, right? I, I think it was accepted then. So, again, I mean... I was born in that year, so, like, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, what what was accepted and not. But Let's I feel give like our even full when, like, birth dates. <laughs> yeah. Our, uh, our full social security number. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, no, yeah, I don't think that, uh, I don't know. I think that that was more of a culturally accepted term back then. But, yeah, I, I don't think, again, I think a lot of it comes from, like, the person, like, showing ableist showing homophobic things doesn't necessarily make the art itself those things i agree and i think there's also in the scene with the very funny uh training video for the merton flemmer building oh yeah it and and first of all that is such an amazing spoof on like every training video that has ever existed yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. The, i love the line i love the line where it's like um Merton named the building after himself and another person who legend has it was named Flemmer. (laughs) It is the perfect thing. But, um, in, in that video, there's a very, there's like very tongue in cheek language, uh, used with the, with the little person who's supposedly the reason that they built this floor, which is such a, such a weird idea. Um, yeah. And, and we can talk about more just like the quirk about the, the floor, but, there's it's supposed a, to be like, like a how do you tale, think of this shit right like how do you, like how do you yeah it's just like a quirk of the movie that like it's just such a hallmark of it it it's not a huge like it doesn't make a huge difference in the end it just makes it weirder it just, it's just makes another it thing that yeah. makes it weird it's just okay everyone's crouching down and you remember it as the movie where everyone's crouching down so i think it's pretty yeah fun. why is this uh, happening Who knows? but during that video merton is using Mert, or the the actor playing merton is like uh i I'll, I'll build a safe haven, safe haven for you and your accursed kind. And it's yeah. like very over the top. Like, did people ever talk like this about like little people? Is this real? Um, I think it was supposed to be an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. definitely. An I'm exaggeration. sure. I'm sure people did. Yes, but I think it was supposed to be an exaggeration. And, and so that's a moment where I think it was like very tongue in cheek. Very like, 
like Kaufman knew what that would look like and he was like yeah this is how like these outdated training videos are but yeah no I think it's uh, I think it's about time to get to the man it's not about of the time. hour it's John, John Malkovich. Malkovich yeah uh, so let's talk about John Malkovich um, first of all wacky idea just going in like of all people why John Malkovich it's very interesting is it just the name is it just the name well I don't know I, I think it's a I think Kaufman. Uh, so I I watched an interview about it, and he insisted he insisted that it, was, that Malkovich. it was Malkovich. They were like, "If we can't get Malkovich, do you want it to be like being Tom Cruise or something like yeah, that?" Yeah, I heard that Tom Cruise was yeah. yeah and Kaufman's like, "No, gotta be Malkovich." But I think gotta be John Malkovich. Malkovich definitely has a very specific like energy. Like he has a very calming voice, and he has a very um, he has a very like odd way of talking. I think his like his speech patterns are. Uh, like outside of the norm. So I don't know. I think he, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Kaufman just really wanted Malkovich. He's such a, he's such a specific like figure of pop culture. I can't really imagine it being someone else. The fact that he also like kind of shits on him. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. yeah, everyone knows Malkovich, but no one can name a single thing you've been in. <laughs> like, well, and now of course it's really funny. Uh, this is his first IMDb credit. Really? Yeah, yeah. this is the thing he's most yeah, known he, for he's now. known for this yeah. now. Which I think is warranted. I think, again, this is the best movie. I've ever seen John Malkovich. Oh, I think he's he awesome. Is I haven't seen him in True West. So, he is so fucking good in this movie. Like, he should have won an Oscar for this movie. Like, the amount of, like, in-screen acting changes that he does is fantastic. The way he, like, especially when, like, Craig is, like, going in and out. First of all, he nails... John Cusack. Yeah. Um, That's like fucking really crazy. well. John Cusack, he, he nails Craig really well. Um, going back and forth <laughs> he literally between... does. Great. He literally um, nails Craig. He literally nails I mean, Craig. I mean, kind of Craig nails other people with him. As John? As John? Weird, weird. Uh, Together. Yeah, weird ideas. Together. It's a threesome, we. but not. It's a we. Um, we actually there's a there's also another weird conversation to have about consent in this movie also oh, um especially with Malkovich um but yeah i mean he does such a great job of like when when Maxine goes into the apartment the one time and she's like oh let's let's have sex on his table and then make him eat an omelet off of it when he's like <laughs> he's, he's like, like no yeah, yeah it's Craig and then he yeah busts in with the no and then immediately like cuts back to the different per- just, uh, shut up you irrelevant personas. sack of shit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so you mean. overrated sack of shit. It's oh, so mean. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, Malkovich, again, he just, he does, again, he is so good as being these different personas that we know that we forget that it's like, oh yeah, we're not actually watching John Cusack. We are watching that's, Malkovich. Yeah, that's like, so interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you guys felt that way, but at least on this viewing, I was like, I, I forgot, like, Cusack isn't in this movie that much because he's always Malkovich. Well, I also like how his hair changes to fit whoever's inside him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he gets the long, greasy John Cusack hair, and then at the end, he has the, uh, he has, like, the, the short Merton haircut, or, mm-hmm. um, what was the guy's name before? It Lester. is Merton. Yeah. It is, it is Merton. It is yeah. Yeah. Which, we'll get there. Merton Lester Malkovich. But yeah, I mean, maybe we can just have that conversation about consent now, because I think it's sure. not actually, like, I think that's kind of the point of it. I think the portal is yeah. sort of, um, and part of what I was saying about how this feels like it could have been written in 2020 is that the portal is very much like a social media allegory, I feel like, in the way that, like, 
you you tune into like you tune into like your favorite um celebrities instagram stories to see what what kind of bread they bought at the store instagram live yeah yeah yeah, what color towels are they getting? Right, you can like tell the, Logan yeah. doesn't have an Instagram. <laughs> the kinds yeah. of I, I that is true. I only have I have the Instagram app on my phone, but it's only for twisted only mug, for yeah. twisted mug. So I clearly don't know that well how it works. But like, I mean, the kinds of mundane things that we see him doing are the the sorts of uh, and and like there, it's obviously a I guess it's a voluntary violation uh, that they are posting it, you know, for everyone to see. Um, yeah. You know, but in some ways, social media is kind of, it is very vi- violative, if that's a word. Um, it's not, but we'll go with it. We know we know what you mean. You know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, these people are just, like, entering Malkovich and seeing through his eyes without his consent at all. And I think it's a... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a very prescient thing to have to have written in 1999. It's always wrong, but it starts innocent, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying, and then gets malicious by the end. Yeah, uh, even by halfway through. Which, yeah. Well, right, and and social media can can be that. You can watch someone eat toast, or you can like ruin. Watch Chris life. Evans accidentally yeah. post his peen. Hmm. Yeah, self-incriminating dick pics. That's right. Um, but, anyway, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's America's penis. I was good. Um, but no, yeah, I, I agree. Like, again, it starts off, you okay, you're just watching him, like, read, uh, you know, his lines and eat some toast and drink some coffee. Okay, that's, you know, it, it's invasive, but it's not, like, gross. I mean, I think the first moment that's kind of, like, obviously, like, weird is when Lottie goes in for the first time and he's in the shower. And that feels, like, super invasive and gross. Do we see um, his peen? No. No, no mouth I, I, I thought I saw a milk peen at one point. No, no, I think you were just, just wishing. Just wishing just for that mouth peen. Wishful thinking. You were just hoping. There's some, uh, Darn. John there's some mouth cleavage, but... There is. Yeah. John Malkovich, Mal- come on the show. Show us your peen. Don't. <laughs> we might want to cut that. Keep that in! <laughs> nah, keep it in. That's fine. Um, but, no, yeah, I mean... I think that, yeah, I think you're right, Logan. It's It's a very... It's almost like, yeah, there's a lot of ideas of rape in this movie without, yeah, because, I mean, like, Malkovich gets forced into being a vessel for other people's sexual pleasures. To, yeah, very, their sexual desires and their, like, yeah. gross, lustful shit. Violative is a word. Damn it. Um, well, yeah, and, and also, like, also, like, Craig basically raping Maxine through... Malkovich, right? Because she thinks that it's yeah. Lottie, and he's yeah. totally right. It's a weird. It's like, oh, I think this person I'm having sex with is being controlled by someone that is, yeah, that is not you the person think I think being they're controlled being controlled by. One by. Person, but right. So oh, like, God. Maxine it's is such kinda... a weird amount of layers. Yeah, there's like more rape allegories in this than fucking Alien. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, everyone is less less um everyone is less overt. Always raping everyone. More in this subtle. Movie. That's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of people manipulating other people. It's a lot of people mm-hmm. violating other people. Um, and I think that's I think that's intentional by Kaufman. I think he explores it pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it never feels it never feels glossed over. It feels like that's yeah. that's like the main thing that he's grappling with, I think. And again, it never feels lewd. Um, you know, it doesn't ever feel like 
oh, look at this, you know, when when he's doing, the, when they're, you know, when Maxine and Malkovich are having sex the one time and it's uh, it's Craig for the first time, you know, it's, it's to further the plot. It's showing, like, Craig starting to, like, actually be able to puppet Malkovich, you know? He's like, okay, uh, you know, move, what is it? Move right hand to left breast, right hand to left breast, like, and then, you know, all that weird shit. Um, and again, Malkovich is fantastic in that scene, like, like, cutting in, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, um, but yeah, no, again, again, everyone is always really good in this movie. Um, I also think it's super interesting how Craig is, like, eventually able to, like, surpass the 15-minute, like, time limit and is just kind of able Mm -hmm. to stay in John B. And, like, that's because of his, like, puppeteering skills. So, like, I don't know. It's it's a cool... It's like a cool tie-in, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Furthering development of the character. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I I also think there's an interesting statement about fame um, in this and and Mm. sort of what it can do, like what your name can do, just the name John Malkovich. Craig, I mean, he doesn't gain any new talents when he becomes John Malkovich, but, like, he has the name recognition, and now he's just like, oh, I'm a puppeteer now. And, you know, he's way more popular than just, like, Craig Schwartz the puppeteer would have been. Yeah, the gross puppeteer. And he's even the... He becomes the same person, yeah, basically, just with the name John Malkovich. Um, yeah, and... Um, yeah, I think it, I think that scene with the, the agent is quite good yeah. uh, as well when he goes in. Um, and I just want to point out another multifaceted John Malkovich. When he does the dance performance for Maxine, I'm just is like, really goddamn... I th- I think so. I mean, it's it shows him a lot yeah. in screen. It has to be right. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's fantastic. And 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 mo- another moment by actual like performance by John Malkovich that I love is when he goes. First of all, when he goes into his own mind is fucking weird. I love it when he goes into so, his own mind. I know it's such a it's it's so terrifying. To, like, think about if that's you, like, doing that. It'd just be so surreal, seeing all of the different people. Like, even the little girl with his massive head on it, yeah. on the body, which is, oh, it was so gross to look at. Um, but um, it's also funny, because, again, we're, it's kind of weird to talk about that. This movie is is funny at some yeah. points, too, and this, I think this was one of them where it was, like, horrifyingly funny um, in that scene. I read somewhere that it was, like, this, like, cult classic comedy, and I was like, this is a comedy? <laughs> Like, I think there are moments of humor. No, th- like, there's definitely moments of humor, but, like, there's also moments of humor in, like, the, f- the fucking Avengers. Like, I wouldn't say that True. the Avengers is a comedy. Um, yeah, fair. I don't know. Just... Yeah, but no, that... Something to think after about. he comes out of that, though, uh, the moment that I love by Malkovich is when he, he is, like... He says, oh, you know, Craig says, you know, this is my livelihood, Mr. Malkovich. And he says, it's my mind. I will see you in court. Yeah. Like, I love that. Like, he just. I'll see what yeah. you're seeing. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's creepy. Yeah. That's a really creepy fucking thing that's, to say, Craig. It's really creepy. I cannot imagine having to go inside that, that thing. Because, like, if the portal is, you know, it, it means social media before social media was even really a thing. Like, going into your own, like, violating yourself in that way like it's just it's so odd it's just like they have the line like what happens when a man goes into his own portal and it's just like this chaotic bombardment of um like narcissism almost Mm -hmm. um but yeah one of my my favorite letterbox reviews uh was like a woman who said like john malkovich has 
bigger breasts than me. I hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. It's a little, Uh, it's very uncomfortable actually. It's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's funny, but also really scary. It's a good one. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to talk about adaptation next week because I know it plays into um, this movie a little bit too. I won't spoil Mm it. Um, But yeah. Um, But yeah, so Craig takes over. He becomes an international celebrity puppeteer as he always wanted. Um, And he just sucks at this uh, point. Like he is full on. He's just awful. Oh, Craig, yeah. Craig has been a terrible person, I think, since maybe like five minutes in. (laughs) And it's just gone even. It's just gone further down the deep end. Since he, Um, he, like, tied up his wife and put her in a cage, that was literally the last. Ugh, yeah, hold, holding her at gunpoint to get into a that's cage. Same, like yeah. it's so tense in that scene, and his acting mm-hmm. is so good. Yeah, yeah. Again, Cusack is yeah. fantastic in this movie. Um, Although it is a little broken, I will say when Cameron Diaz just starts like slapping him, <laughs> and it's like, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. <laughs> oh, small moment in that that I forgot to talk about, which was fucking cool and funny. He's like. We get the the monkey remember the chimp remembering how to break out of chains oh and like God. breaks her out. That's so funny. That's such a great. That, I think that's a moment of humor that works. Elijah, yeah. untie me and your father. <laughs> yeah, that was really. Yeah, with the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the monkey subtitles. I couldn't understand though how that relates to because it's obviously shot in like a very similar like first person thing to when people go into Malkovich's mind. So, are we going into the monkey's mind there? I think it's showing his memory. Yeah. The monkey's, the Elijah's memory. Yeah. It, it doesn't quite line up with like the mechanism of, of John, of seeing John Malkovich's, you know, current kind of like his live stream, you know, yeah. it's shot in the same way as yeah. Malkovich's live stream and it's just like his memory. So I don't really know. It mm-hmm. doesn't, yeah. it doesn't quite work for me, but it was a, it was a nice moment of, of levity. Yeah. You know what? I just thought of this. I was like, there has, there is a movie that is similar to this in in concept in terms of definitely like be, looking into someone's mind, being a eva- uh, you know, uh, this kind of same idea with Malkovich, and it's a movie we reviewed actually. It's Truman Show. Uh, very yeah. similar ideas to the Truman Show. I was actually thinking uh, you were gonna movie. go with Eternal Sunshine, which a lot of the same themes are gonna. Follow. Yeah. Also Jim Carrey, yeah. um, which we'll be talking about in two weeks. Uh, very excited oh, too, yes. but no, yeah, it's it's that same kind of like same kind of, kind of idea. But sorry, that was off topic, but with what we yeah, were talking about, but right. it finally came to me. I'm like, what's the other movie that this <laughs> is like? It's Truman Show. Um, obviously not. Th- this movie is much more vulgar um, than Truman Show, which I believe is PG. Um, but yeah, um, once he yeah, let's let's. I don't know. Is there anything else pre Craig taking over completely that you guys want to talk about? Octavia Spencer is in it for a hot sec. Oh yeah, I forgot oh, yeah. about that. That's right. Cameo, very she small just cameo. Like looks at so it was Brad Pitt. Yeah, I well, think that was real footage over. from the Oscars. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. Where Brad Pitt's um, just like there. I think I think that was yeah. I think they did that as like an interview, like actually at the Oscars. Um, at least that's what I've heard. Um, like, that could guy. be wrong. But yeah, no, the jumping forward. I think the the documentary is a great touch. Mm. It's a great way to get us caught up with what happened over the last eight months without us having to see it. It kind of gives you an exposition dump without it really feeling like an exposition dump. I think it's a very creative tool used by by Kaufman to um, to 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 push us forward in time. There's, and it pushes us already to the point where 
Maxine and uh, Craig John, uh, whatever you want to call him. Let's call him Have, that. like, had Craig a falling John. out already. Craig Bond? Like they, Craig Bond. Uh, R.I.P. Sean Connery. But also, um, yeah, it, 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 it jumps us forward in that time, shows us the uh, the falling apart of the relationship that quickly, too. Um, <laughs> guys, this is actually a continuation of our Fincher series. I don't know if you knew that. Oh. Um, did you guys Did you guys catch that? What? Uh, one of the people interviewed uh, the like master pup or in the the critic or something something Christian Bird or something like that. It's played by David Fincher. Oh, um, I didn't even realize in the documentary. That's so funny. Yeah, so this is this is a continuation of our David Fincher series. Yeah, um, no, uh, because, there's a similar yeah. thing. Uh, Ryan will know what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a similar kind of thing, and I'm thinking of ending things. It's like another piece of media that's inserted into this. And like I was really getting into this documentary. I was like. Yeah, and this is really cool. Like, I, I was really getting into the... It feels like a very well-done PBS documentary. Exactly. Like, I was getting into the documentary style. I was like, oh, man, this is really interesting. And then it brought me back to the real world, and I was like, oh, okay. So that, like, I don't even know how long it was. What was it, like, a, a three- to five-minute stretch of this documentary? Probably, yeah. I was like, it, it's, it's well done, and it just it serves the purpose. Yeah, with, and, and again, it doesn't feel like an exposition dump. Yeah, and again, it's just these little, like creative beats by Kaufman that he just you know you wouldn't think of but he does you know um yeah we haven't really talked about too much about um I guess technically what Martin Martin Martin. um uh yeah this this cult of people who know that these vessels exist and now once he wants to bring other people with him to control Malkovich as they live forever it's kind of like this weird fountain of youth again how the fuck do you come up with this charlie kaufman like i it's insane this is things that he comes up with this is what i was talking about this is the subplot that kind of becomes the main plot that like i'm not really that into i agree but it's still it's still creative like it could be more sinister i mean they still they still want to i think they're still he's still controlling him like he's controlling him the way craig does controls him yeah. The the nice thing that I want to say about um, Merton when he's still Doctor Lester is it's such a funny, such a funny sequence when he's like, "I'm so sorry, you have to put up with like my speech impediment," and he's oh my god, <laughs> and it's just the flow is fucking nuts. I know, and, yeah. and and Cusack plays off him so well. He's like, "I, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> it's just about?" Such an uncomfortable, like awkward kind of thing that's going on. I I'm trapped, I absolutely trapped in my love tower that. of loneliness. It just all feels. I'm pretty sure uh, in I'm pretty sure that Huggo wrote in our plot summary for this episode. Pretty sure that Huggo wrote that that this building was off kilter, and that's definitely the way to describe it with the the five foot ceilings and the receptionist who can't hear anything. And, oh and my god, the receptionist is so funny. It's, it's no all idea just, what you're saying to me. Like bastard. it's just very distinctive and very like Kaufman just has these things where he's just he's just so creative. yeah. Again, where does this come from? It's just it, yeah, yeah. This is the comedy. Yeah. This stuff. This yeah. is Floyd, this is one of his this is one of his seventy note cards that he exactly. that he laid out before he yes. started the script. Yes. Um But yeah, no, it's it I agree with you. It's definitely the plot that I care the least about in this movie. Um I do like the stuff with Charlie Sheen. I we kinda didn't yeah, mention Charlie Sheen fun. at all. Uh, the, the scene when Malkovich is like first freaking out to Charlie Sheen, he's like she might be a witch. He's like even better. Like I just I love Charlie Sheen. He's so much playing off his person, you know, his persona in this movie, um, winning. But uh, yeah, I think Sheen's fantastic in this movie. And then it comes back later at the end here when after you know Lester and all of them do take over and 
introduces Charlie Sheen to immortality, um, which is an interesting What I like is idea. that it's like seven years later, right? Yeah. And Charlie Sheen has like, he's like mostly bald and has this ridiculous comb over. He's got this over. gross comb over. And here we are yeah. 21 years later, and I'm pretty sure he still has most of his he's hair. I haven't fine. seen him in a yeah. while, but... Hope he's doing it's okay. So funny. I hope Charlie Sheen's doing yeah. alright. I hope he's getting better. It's like I think he yeah, I think I have heard that he's gotten better. Yeah. I, I always like when they age someone forward in a movie or, or a TV show. Way too much. Yeah, and then and then you get to that, it's like twenty one or twenty five years later and you're like, Oh, they look way better than this movie predicted. Yeah. Yeah, like damn, you guys are really harsh about what uh <laughs> Brad Pitt's gonna look like when he gets older. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> the wrinkly curious baby. case of being Benjamin Button, yeah. Um, you yeah, really do not weird. trust Charlie Sheen's genetics, do you? I, they just, I mean, look at Martin Sheen, or no, yeah, Martin Sheen's his father, right? Yeah. There's so many Sheens. Um, it is Martin yeah, Sheen, Martin right? Sheen. Yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 Michael Sheen is the other Sheen that I get mixed up. It's, I always mix up the names of Martin and Michael Sheen. Um, yeah, Martin Sheen looks fine, you know? He's just a little, you know, he put on a little weight, you know, it happens when you get older, but he doesn't look, he's still got a full head of hair. The fuck are you? Yeah. What are you guys doing to Charlie? Um, of all things, Charlie does not need to lose his hair. He's got enough problems. Um, or had. Possibly. Hopefully had. Um, but yeah, no. The, the, I think the ending of this movie, the last like 15, 20 minutes, is kind of where it loses me a little yeah. bit. Um, where it, I wouldn't say that this is quite a perfect movie also, uh, because of it. I don't necessarily yeah. understand their, their plot. So all of these old people want to live forever. So they all go in John Malkovich and they sort of like all control him together? Is that right? I don't think so. I think Lester slash Martin Merton is the one controlling it and they're just kind of there along for the ride okay. to live forever or to be conscious for forever, whatever you want to call it. And then, um, But then Merton through John... So all of those old people then through John Malkovich tell Charlie Sheen, if you want to live, to get, live forever, you can like join our cult of old people and inhabit someone else's body i think so it's very odd so. it's a kind of hard thing to to grasp i don't know yeah and, and it's interesting because if it is the way that i described it that would be weird then to show um to say that that's such a bad thing for uh for craig who gets stuck in emily's body but uh yeah i don't know i guess we can get to that point you know eventually lottie and maxine come together after um, to raise the child after Lottie tries to shoot Maxine going through their yeah which again reminds me of Eternal yep. Sunshine uh, in a lot I of ways that. um and, but <laughs> definitely see with uh Kaufman playing with these kind of ideas one of, one of my notes in this sequence there's a part on the bus where the kids are bullying Malkovich for having peed his pants and they they're they're calling him Malkapi they're calling him yeah. little Johnny Malkapi it's not even clever that was not very yeah. clever think of something more clever yeah, come on. Kid bullies are never clever. Kid bullies, yeah. The only clever bullies are the adult bullies. Mm. They're the ones much more mischievous. Look out for them, people. That, Look out for them, folks. Post on Twitter. Um, late at yes. night. From a certain house that is not quite black. That is the opposite of black. Not quite black? It's not black not at black all. Not black at all. Uh, hopefully that's going to change the day after this comes out. Oh, God. Yeah, if you're listening to this more oh, than God. a day after this comes out, you might know. You know. Tell us. <sighs> tell us. Tell us now. We need to know. We're all nervous. No matter what happens, um, it's going to be interesting. This is, like, this is like a sidebar, but no matter what happens, it's going to be a difficult transition of, of change. 
period yeah. change. Yeah, things are going to change Yeah, in a couple yeah. days, no matter what. And what makes it worse is that we might not even know the results of the election, you know. On election night. Yeah, yeah, yeah on yeah. election night. I think we might – I think if I heard this on actually um, a podcast done by um, our former high school teacher – uh, Matt Shockey on history, politics, and yeah, beer. Yeah, history, uh, politics, and beer. Go follow them. Yeah, uh, Jeff Hudson on that podcast said that he thinks that the election will be decided on that night because they're going to call North Carolina and it's going to be pretty obvious that Biden's going to, you know, because Biden wins North Carolina, that we might have a pretty good idea that Biden might win on election night. But if he loses North Carolina, then we're fucked um, in terms of finding out on election night, I think. Okay. Um, but, back to being yeah, John Malkovich, the, the, perhaps. Back to being John back Malkovich. To being John Malkovich. Po- uh, but yes, definitely go check out History, Politics, and Beer. Jeff Hudson is one of the smartest dudes I know, and I assume Matt Shockey I don't, is, I never but had I never him, had but him. I had Shockey. But, yeah. Oh, you never had Shockey? No. So, yeah, okay, so there, it's, the there are two teachers um, that teach at the school that we used to go to. But Yeah. Um, but John actually, yeah, being John Malkovich, I think the only thing that's left to talk about is the idea that Craig gets stuck in... Um, their daughter's body, which kind of good. Fuck you, Craig. Yeah, he fucking deserves um, it. <laughs> yeah, get stuck in having to watch this at all times. Um, when she's like, look away, look away. I'm like, no, don't make him look. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fucked up. I mean, we know that Emily's gonna be the next cipher, right, or whatever you want to call it. Vessel. Um, Vessel. Yeah. So she's only gonna have 44 years of her own life, and then she's gonna get taken over by this weird cult. Um, so that's kind of shitty. But uh, I don't know. Is there anything else? about being John Malkovich that you guys want to discuss. Do you feel like you have said all there is to say about being John Malkovich? I feel like, yeah. All right, let's do it. Final thoughts, ratings, Brendan. Uh, yeah, so this is a really interesting movie. Uh, I, as I said before, didn't think I was going to like it that much when I started it, uh, but I, I really did grow to enjoy it and be invested in the story. It is like this almost whimsical, like, fairy tale type feel to, like, the whole way that it's done, but in this, like, dark sort of, like, gritty, gross, like, way. Um, I don't know how well that kind of meshes together, um, but it it's interesting and it's an interesting sort of surrealist like almost like borderline absurdist way to to look at these like different ideas um i think it's really interesting uh god what to say about this movie uh i'm i guess i think i'm gonna give it an a minus yeah i um you mentioned floyd earlier the comparison between uh sorkin and kaufman and i just I, I think they are so different in so many ways, but I'm going to say that the the same thing that I said about Sorkin a couple episodes back, which is that Kaufman's writing style, like, you can't teach it. It's just, it's intrinsic to him. It is, it's just so much different from what anyone else is doing. And it's just this this magical thing that when when uh, Kaufman gets behind the, the typewriter or behind the computer or whatever he's using... Um, Maybe he writes with pen and paper. We don't know. Uh, it's just it's it's something something magical happens. It's so offbeat and quirky and distinctive. Um, it's not perfect, but there's always going to be something for you to remember. Uh, I think this is really going to stick with me. I think there's a lot to think about. Um, the the humor really worked for me, as well as the times when it gets really dark. Craig Schwartz like tying up his wife. This like complete psychotic break uh, that just builds and builds towards the end of the movie. Um, and yeah, I, I really, 
I, I really appreciated what this movie did. It loses me in the last bit, loses me with the, the cult of old people I found was less interesting and also harder to understand and uh, just didn't just didn't quite keep that energy going uh, for me, the energy that, that the rest of the movie had. Um, but overall, I, I, I really like this and I think I think this is it, this is a good start to our Kaufman series. I'm also going to give this an A minus. Yeah, uh, Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. Um, I really, yeah, I really, really like this movie. I think talking through it, I think this time made me realize I like it. Maybe, maybe I don't quite love it. Um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, but the performances all around fantastic, including David Fincher. Great job, David <laughs> Fincher. Um, good job. Proud of you. Um, uh, which, by the way, go back and listen to all those podcasts if this is your first CTP. Every Fincher. Um, movie. We reviewed all of his movies. Every Do you Fincher understand movie. me? Yeah. Every Fincher movie. Uh, not quite uh, Mank yet, because it didn't come yeah. out. But we're working on it. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy this movie. Like you said, Kaufman is such a singular talent. Um, he is so distinctive. He pulls all these weird ideas out of nowhere, puts them together in a way that makes sense and um, works. Um, like, I, like you said, Logan, I think I agree with basically everything you said. Uh, it, it does lose me a little bit in the last part after the documentary uh, part is really over, but I think that it's still, uh, it still works enough, um, to stay entertained, and it doesn't botch a landing, I wouldn't say in any way that this is a bad ending, it's just kind of less entertaining than the rest of the movie, um, brings up really interesting philosophical ideas, I think it, for the time it was quite progressive with its ideas, um, and I think it's a great start to our Coffin series, I agree, I'm also going to give it an A-, minus. I think this might be the first time we've all had the same grade for I was something. just gonna say that, I think it might be. Yeah, so John Mal- being John Malkovich, A minus. Slap it on a poster. Cinema Talk Podcast says A minus. <laughs> Cinema Talk Podcast says A minus. A minus across the yeah. board. Wow. But uh, yeah, that's that's strange. But uh, you know, it's kind of fun. It's a first. I think we're what seventy. I don't even know what how many episodes we're in. At this this is point. our seventy second, I believe. Seventy second. Okay. Yeah. Seventy two episodes in, we finally have found unanimity. Uh, on a film, uh, <laughs> it's fun. But uh, I'm sure next week, this I'm sure it will probably take another 71 episodes for us to uh, have the same opinion again. So come back next week for our review of adaptation. I have seen part of this movie. Uh, Brennan and Logan have not. We'll see if maybe we get Matt back by next episode. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I'm excited to My hear. My money is on no. <laughs> Pro- probably not because I know this week is still busy for him. But uh, hopefully he can be back then for Eternal Sunshine. Um, but yeah, so we, next two weeks we're going to be keep going on our Coffin series. We've got Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. And then after that, we're going to be reviewing Citizen Kane because I still decided that I'm going to do that to myself. And then Mank after that. Um, so yeah, come back for those reviews. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Um, guys, you, you don't have any experience with Adaptation, right? I do not. Okay, so we're all going to be coming in at least decently fresh. I'd, I do have seen, again, the first, like, hour of the movie. But, uh, yeah, so come back for that. Uh, just, uh, Logan, do you want to tell the good people about the other shows? On our I network? would love to. Um, so we have the CTP Movie Journal, which is Matt and Ryan's miscellaneous short-form movie podcast featuring the best-of lists. Uh, Stop Wait What, our improv comedy advice show. Back in Style, our newcomer-friendly episodic review of Twin Peaks. Uh, Twisted Mug Mysteries, your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult. Octo Island. Uh, our extended universe Star Wars podcast series, and I might play that, our video game review podcast. 
Yeah, and you can also find us on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Twisted Mug Media. Uh, we post a lot more on our Instagram, but maybe if you follow us on Twitter, we'll post more on there. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, which is the Twisted Mug Media Network, uh, where we post videos and stuff. The last video that went up there was my review of the Marvel's Avengers video game that came out for PS4, Xbox One, and other consoles and PCs and etc. Um, and I talked about some of the quirks. That was a really, really fun one. Uh, we also have a Letterboxd account for the, uh, you know, Cinema Talk podcast, which is run by Logan. Uh, on there, you can also find all of our individual Letterboxd accounts where you can see what kind of movies we're watching, uh, you know, whether that's for the podcast or not. Uh, Ryan and I actually, on the last Stop Wait What, did a small, like, movie journal of the first, uh, the first Borat movie and the second Borat movie. Um, since that Mostly Borat subsequent movie film. But Mostly we talked about, Borat yeah. subsequent movie film, uh, and that was that was good. But uh, so go listen to Stop Wait What Twenty Four. That was a fun episode. Uh, it, which is should be out by now. I I still I haven't had time to edit it. Uh, but if it's not out, it'll be coming out soon. I'm sure it'll be named something Borat related. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Great success. No, yeah. So uh, also we didn't talk about this, but maybe we'll be doing. Uh, reviews of The Mandalorian as they come out. Maybe we'll be doing a review at the end of the season. Um, very good first episode, I'll just put it that way, for season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, so hopefully we'll talk about that on Octo Island at some point. Uh, oh, shit, come back to the feed if... Stop, wait. Yeah, you do. It's fantastic. Do it before you get spoiled, because there's a pretty big spoiler in it. Um, fair warning. But uh, yeah, so come back to the feed for all of those other shows, and we will be back next Monday with Adaptation. So thanks so much for listening, guys. I'm Ryan. I'm Brendan. And I'm Logan. <laughs> And we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. You have to be really sure to cut this. No mistake. Please. Please I'm cut this. blowing out your eardrum so you don't forget. Don't forget to cut this. But you can put this at the end because it's kind of funny. <laughs>